0: This is Coda Radio, episode 474 for July 11th, 2022. Hey, good buddy, welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. Here in my perfectly healthy state, I am joined by our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike.
1: Hello, Chris. How are you feeling these days? A little under the weather. Uh, my son's quest to bring home every pathogen possible continues. He is impressive.
0: Only outdone because I have three of them. So I have three different vectors. But for, you know, a standalone agent, he is quite effective, I have to say. I'm very impressed.
1: Well, his summer camp has a splash pad. What is otherwise known as a tree dish. And I think every time they do splash pad day, they get the... I, it's, it's like a hangover, but like you didn't even get to do the boozing. You just get the hangover.
0: Oh, I, I could imagine, you know, it's, it's covered in wet moisture, right? It's, and it's hot.
1: It's warm. Kids are all touching their faces, fingers in their mouths, running around. Hey, um, can we just like super quickly remark on the fact
0: that this whole Elon buying Twitter thing was an absolute nothing burger that people had an absolute panic attack over that has now turned into nothing. In fact, Twitter's actually suing Elon, trying to make sure the deal goes through because he's officially pulled out.
1: Yeah. So I, I decided to, to, uh, apparently, if you tweet Elon's name, you will get yelled at by both crazy, like, right wing people and basically the PC principal from South Park at the same time. Yeah. It's something. But, like, nothing happened. I guess they're suing to compel him to close on a deal. How do you force someone to, like, run your company?
0: I know. It's, well, we got a contract, but, uh, yeah. Is the court really going to say, no, Mr. Musk, you must buy this forty four billion dollar company.
1: Yeah. What are they going to be like? We're sending a parole officer to drive you to the Twitter offices and install you in the CEO. Chair. Like what, what? Don't you think it's actually possible now that it's
0: going to become a court case, there's going to be some discovery involved and they may actually have to disclose the data they do
1: have about the bots on their platform? Yeah, I, I feel like this discovery is going to be like super embarrassing for everybody involved. This just seems like a really bad idea. So dumb. Like, take the billion or, well, I guess because the shareholders can sue too, right? So I guess the board has to sue them. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, I kind of think he was just drunk or high. Like, started mouthing off and was like, I want to buy Twitter. I think, honestly, people don't want to accept
0: that somebody worth billions who's in charge of giant tech companies that's launching satellites and building electric cars can just, like, want to buy a company on a lark and then a few days later not want to buy a company. Like, I don't think people can wrap their heads around it. They want that person to be like
1: diligent, very intentional, very well planned. Did you see the conspiracy theory that he was like playing forty chess to sell his Tesla slog? I'm like, I don't know. I saw the tweets. I think he was just stoned out of his mind. Like, I think it is. what it is.
0: I, I think he was having a good time. And when you're a billionaire, 40, you know, 44 bill to blow. You know, you, you got to think you're at a certain point like I could fix this. They just need some good leadership. I'll get
1: in there. I'll fix it up. You know, you could see him thinking that. Of course. And in the meantime, he's having a couple of kids within a week from each other by two different ladies, which is amazing. Oh,
0: my God. Could that You know, when I heard that, I just thought the chaos
1: that must exist
0: in that man's life.
1: All the angry. I'm just going to say all the angry exes.
0: Managing all of that and balancing all of that's impossible. So it's just going to be constant chaos. He's in a world of chaos that he created for himself.
1: Like the only thing and I'm sure you saw I took interest in for a guy who's like free speech free speech free speech he got pissed off at Scott Galloway and just blocked him well wait you're the one who says there should be no like censorship no where he had his whole little rant he wanted to bring Trump back he on twitter he wanted to um what did he say just like let all of him it was something like let all let everybody's freak flag fly basically
0: he also wanted to censor that kid understandably but he wanted to censor that kid that was tracking his flights too oh that's right the kid with the i forgot about that did you see the dm screenshots leaked where like Elon was considering offering him some cash and then Elon decides he doesn't want to pay him. And actually it was in that thread too. You can see there's two different Elons. There's the Elon that comes at him first and says, I'll, I'll you know, here's 60K, stop doing this. Kid comes back with how about 300K and some Bitcoin. <laughs> and then Elon changes his mind and decides, actually I don't want to pay for this.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just can't even imagine like, you know, we've you, all done it, right? You wake up after a questionable night on the Twitter or, <laughs> you know, in the IRC or whatever. And you're like, oh. What did I do? You know, for Elon, that's got to be every day. I imagine. And then oh, all of a sudden we're having some kind of population, like 70s style population crunch.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I Maybe. I actually do think the birth rates are down in the Western world. I think that is a thing. It is down, but I don't
1: think the answer is that Elon needs to
0: have another kid every month. I don't think that's how you solve that problem. I mean, you'd think you'd be smart enough to do the math on that one. But and
1: and just again, for a guy who definitely enjoys his pot and. And booze we have to just commend his virility here i mean with that level of crap running through your blood the man has a high output he has a high output yeah yes yes a a firm dedication we should
0: say and for people that don't think he knows what he's talking about go check out the everyday astronaut there's a few videos now where elon is walking around the factory and you can tell he just he has absolutely every aspect of the production of those rockets absolutely figured out it's really impressive
1: isn't that the infuriating thing about him though like when like when he's doing what he's supposed to be doing he's brilliant he's on point he's i very i believe him that like spacex is gonna do incredible things yeah but then midnight strikes we roll a fat (laughs) blood with joe rogan and we're we're (laughs) wacky like yeah Yeah. you're
0: right yeah you know it's too much of the uh, cult of personality people pin too much on
1: one person and then you get disappointed yeah and he, he has teams of you know brilliant people. So speaking of fatal flaws. Right. We got some emails that came in this week
0: and uh, I wanted to cover one that came in from uh, Mark. He wonders perhaps if Apple has a fatal flaw. He says, hello, rope bros. According to the geopolitical strategist, Peter Zahan, Apple will be screwed when China implodes and it will take multiple years to rebuild the supply chain in the Western Hemisphere. He's got a clip. Uh, it's about four minutes. If We'll put a link in the show notes to that. He says, what do you think the tech world will look like in which the next iPhone takes four to five years to release four to five years? So I guess maybe for the sake of argument, we go with his premise that China is going to implode and that Apple will not be able to manufacture over there.
1: I mean, I guess I guess
0: I mean, it seems like it'd be a slow decline more than just an overnight
1: thing. Well, and and, you know, I I just I forgot the name of the book, but the recent book that came out about the. The Tim Cook, Johnny, and I have little tete-a-tete when they were running uh, Apple after Steve died. In that book, the author shares that Tim Cook is not only aware of this problem or this possibility of a problem, takes a slightly different tact. It's not that they think China is going to implode. It's they think they might get forced in a position of China asked them to do some stuff that's just unacceptable to them or would violate the U.S. laws. So they're they're already like doing things in Vietnam, right? They're they're opening facilities, but it takes like years to set up these supply chains. And one of the challenges, and even I'm sure Alex will find it for us, in my you know you know America days, you actually don't have the expertise in like. Remember what was that? Was it Ohio or Wisconsin with the Foxconn plant? Right, I know what you're
0: talking about. It's like there's some fundamental skill sets that we just don't even teach anymore.
1: We don't invest, uh, frankly, in those kind of uh, you know technical tradesman like education programs as much as say China or even a Germany does. So I I don't think the premise is right that China is going to implode. But I do think, and, and it's not just Apple, right? Every any of these multinational companies has to start thinking as Beijing, you know, Wolf Warriors their way to glory. You maybe don't want that huge dependency on them because they will just knock on your door and say, uh. We want what we want.
0: When you look at a chart of what might be possible in our future and a different degrees of the way things are going to go in terms of uh, international relationships with China, it seems to me that's probably going to end up somewhere in the middle. There'll be plenty of manufacturing that stays there potentially, or it'll move to uh, other countries where the labor is extremely cheap. We see this even in Mexico. A lot of car manufacturers now, you know, build their cars in Mexico. If you look at the spectrum and you say things, let's say things go quite badly. You know, so we have to start building here on American shores. Like, I, I, I hate to think of the future we would be in if we were down that path. But in terms of the states, you know, we have a lot of resources. In fact, there was just a real big lithium mine, I guess, they found here in the states. And we have a lot of stuff that we need. We just don't have the
1: skills. That's a solvable problem. But it's a very, very expensive problem to solve. Well, it's also even infinite money can't make that happen fast. It's a it's a 10 year 10 year move.
0: And it's a very inflationary move. Very inflationary, right? It's going to be very expensive.
1: Yeah, but Chris, when we're finally paying $20 a gallon for gas, which I think is a comrade Biden's school, we could all buy a Tesla. I, but I think you're right.
0: You know, Cook's already all over this. I mean, he's a, he's a supply chain guy. He's, if you look at the companies that have been impacted by the supply chain, the top tier hardware OEMs like HP and Apple and uh, Dell done really well. They've, they've managed this pretty well. Let's see if we can help James. He's in search of a tool. He says, hey guys, a while back, you were kind of complaining about businesses that run on Excel or Access. I think we touched a nerve. He goes on to say, the implication being that they should have their own custom line of business application. I'm a one-man specialist repair business. My requirements don't seem to be in line with any of the CRM or line of business application or web apps out there that I've come across. They have all kind of something that I need, but don't really fit properly and would just get in the way mostly. In a previous life, I was a PHP front-end web developer. I could knock together a custom application to suit my business needs, but my cost and time would be huge. At the moment, I have built a fairly complex Google Sheet system that does everything I need, and it's been a great way to prototype data structures and try out different ideas. I definitely plan to move to a more stable platform, though. Do you have any suggestions of frameworks or anything else that essentially let me build a GUI for a mysql database backend he wants like his access but with his mysql backend geez i feel like i've gotten this question in real life a hundred different ways and i hate that i have to say to james it's like a big old it depends i don't like the idea of him building a front end to be honest with you i don't know why but that just doesn't seem like where james should be spending his time if i were just coming in cold And I was consulting with James on day one. I may change my mind on day two, but on day one, I'd say don't build it.
1: Yeah, I'm not even sure what tool would even fit that bill, even if he decided to build it. I mean, there's all these weird little like enterprise data visualization tools, but I've never found one that wasn't uh, (laughs) basically terrible. Yeah, I I almost wonder if that's what he
0: needs is like something that generates reports. Maybe somebody out there has a suggestion they could send us.
1: Wes just shared Metabase, Metabase.com to us okay. as a possible tool for Django. I'm not familiar, but hey, thank you, Wes. Metabase. Metabase. Check
0: it out. Maybe there's something great in there. Scott wrote in. He said he'd had enough of us talking about VS Code. He wanted us to at least take a moment to mention VS Codium and remember that it is a thing, uh, which then Chris promptly wondered why it's a thing. But it is a thing. Just like Chromium is a thing, there is VS Codium. It takes out some of the telemetry. Is, I think, the big difference. I don't know, though. I have to tell you, as somebody who doesn't use the Windows platform and is almost always on the Linux platform, I feel like telemetry represents a niche user that needs representation to these companies. And I actually turn telemetry on because I want them to see that a Linux user is out there.
1: Yeah, that that's kind of the, the golden silver lining, whatever, of Microsoft's creepy stuff is they get enough people installing VS Code or you know, using a Clippy for code whose name I can't remember from GitHub on Linux, they might actually support it more.
0: But I I totally understand that not everybody has that opinion. Uh, And, you know, they feel like Microsoft can go uh, F themselves. I, however, have just decided I'm actually going to submit that metric. You know, they probably have so much other data on me anyways.
1: They they don't care. Right. Every time you log into Xbox, they're like, ha ha.
0: They got me the moment I had to buy Minecraft For my kids, right?
1: (laughs) I was like, "There's no, there's no going out of that." I got, they got me. And for those of you who don't have kids, this is not a I wanted to or my kid wanted me to. This is a must. This is you will buy Minecraft or you will suffer.
0: Yeah, and I, it's you know, as far as games go, it seems like a pretty good one. So, hey, guess what? Guess what? I got something really special coming up in September, on the 29th, we are getting a very special but limited tour of NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab from individuals that are friends of Linux Unplugged. Tim Cannon is a friend of the show and was involved with, uh, I, th- I think he's like the uh, operation lead for the helicopter that's in the new Mars rover and uh, was a key player in getting JPL to adopt Linux as well. And so he's extended a special tour to 20 JB listeners in the area. In Southern California. We don't have a meetup page yet because we're trying to also put together a broader meetup because Linode is sending us on another road trip. We're doing it around this event to JPL. So we're going to do meetups up and down the West Coast, but we need to get an idea of where people are at so we can plan our route and try to be the most efficient with fuel that we can because it's just a ridiculous time to go on a road trip. And so I have created a West Coast crew matrix room. And I'd like you to pop in there if you're in the West Coast and you think we could have a meetup in your area, maybe have a suggestion of where we could hold the meetup or where I could park Lady jups It's bit.ly slash West Coast Crew. And I will put a link to that in the show notes too. It's bit.ly slash West Coast Crew. You jump in that matrix room, you just give me some signal, and then pretty soon I'll start putting up a route that we're going to take and whatnot. You can also boost into the shows and let me know if you're in the West Coast somewhere between, uh, you know washington idaho oregon california area let me know and guess what i created you a matrix account i'm in the matrix i, I you are in the matrix now i'll get you the credentials but yeah i've created you a matrix account
1: so, so wait wait wait. is it like green and black and has like those weird symbols flying by it,
0: it depends uh well i'm gonna have to sit you down there's gonna be like a couple of pills you got to pick from and then like some mirror
1: stuff you got to play around with but depending on which way you go all right, let, let me just get some Hendrix first and the mirror stuff will happen anyway. <laughs> All right. So uh, I don't think
0: you're going to be at the West Coast meetup. I don't think that's happening. No, but you know
1: what? I, we'll, we'll create a guerrilla uh, East Coast meetup room just to have like a rap thing going, you know? Totally.
0: You know, Brent's going to be in Raleigh uh, for about a month coming up. And I think he's going to do some micro meetups in the Raleigh area. It's a little far
1: for you to go for a small one, but eh, who knows? I might never know what happens. Food's good up there. The food's good. Oh, barbecue, Carolina barbecue. Don't even, don't even tempt me.
0: Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60 day credit on a new account. And you go there to show your support for this here show. So it's Linode.com slash coder. Linode is the developer's cloud with 11 data centers worldwide. And they've been hard at work for nearly 19 years, creating the absolute best experience for you to run your applications on. If you've got massive backend infrastructure that you need to deploy or just a system for you and your friends, Linode has something for you. Linode's rolling out screaming fast new NVMe storage. They've been really upgrading everything since I've been a customer for the last two and a half years, just continually iterating on the experience. And that's probably why I like them so much, because just as I'm kind of ready to kind of take things to the next level, they've got a service for me. Like I'm just thinking of right now, I had a managed database service. And initially, it didn't support Postgres, but they just recently added Postgres support. And it's like, okay, let's go. I got a few applications. I'm ready to move over. Also, we were just a, doing a massive late-night rebuild of one of our uh, aspects of our matrix server, just one of those things that we should have taken care of a long time ago. And it was so nice to be able to go into Linode and just say, you know what? A little more disk storage, please. Let's resize this disk a little bit bigger I've got to go through and clean some stuff up. Let's just get ourselves a little bit of breathing room. And just having that kind of flexibility in the Linode dashboard is so nice. So go take advantage of that $100 offer and see what I'm talking about. Go play around with their cloud firewalls, their S3 compatible object storage. There's a lot there. And with pricing 30 to 50% cheaper than other major cloud providers, well, there's nothing you're not going to love. And the support, it's real. It's actual humans that are going to help you 24-7. They're not going to keep bumping you through some sort of weird tiered system when you know there's like a thousand people in that help desk area or something like that it's wild i can't even believe the hypervisors get away with it it's one of the ways linode really tries to differentiate so go check them out support the show go build something go learn something and get that hundred bucks linode.com slash coder that's linode.com slash coder Well, the Software Freedom Conservancy has picked up where Richard Stallman left off and has launched tax against Microsoft, several of them. One for Copilot. Uh, They have a big issue with Copilot, and they've put out a campaign for people to leave GitHub. They've set up a website. They want people to leave GitHub, maybe use GitLab, something else. But they're also taking Microsoft to task this week for banning the sale of open source applications from the Windows App Store. A couple of weeks ago, Microsoft quietly updated their App Store policies, adding a new policy that makes it impossible for open source or other software that is otherwise generally available for free, meaning in price, not freedom, to be sold. Um, Apparently, they made the change on July 16th. Then the new rule, once it was discovered, drew criticism from developers because some free software developers were using the sales in the Windows Store to help raise funds for their open source project. Can you guess what's going on here? Can you kind of see where this
1: is going? I didn't get this one. I don't see why that's evil because I'm pretty sure there were probably some jerks like uploading other people's open source projects, maybe with slight malware modifications, even and trying to sell them. So
0: that is exactly what was happening. That's understandable. And of course, it's also kind of understandable how Microsoft just took this ham fisted approach. All right, we're just going to ban this, right? Took the Apple approach. This is out. And then, of course, once they heard the uh, protests, they did respond and they modified the policy now and they're making adjustments to the policy to make it possible for the actual developers to sell their own software.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is actually Microsoft behaving in a super reasonable way. I mean, so this is why I think it is
0: a little embarrassing that the Software Freedom Conservancy is making such a big production out of this. It reminds me of sort of the chicken behavior from the Free Software Foundation that was like pissing into the wind and just doing silly protests to like raise awareness. And it in my eyes delegitimized the Free Software Foundation in the broader tech community. And then inevitably it began to delegitimize it to some in the free software community, not all. Uh, And now it feels like we're seeing that exact thing happen now with the Software Freedom Conservancy. They're taking small things and exaggerating them to make them sound like much bigger issues. While still raising valid questions the manner in which it's being done is a little disingenuous in my opinion and i kind of hate to see it go this way because the conservancy was kind of like the professionals in the room here they were taking projects under their umbrella giving them legal guidance working with with companies that needed to be worked with to get in support of gpl and something has shifted here it's kind of the last thing the free software community needed was for another one of these advocacy institutions of theirs to start to lose legitimacy, even if, let's say, like the campaign to get people to move off of GitHub was a good one. And one of their chief concerns is Copilot. And one of their other chief concerns is, well, SourceForge eventually went to <laughs> So inevitably, GitHub's going go to go <laughs> So we got to get off of GitHub before it turns into SourceForge. That's like their second or first reason. But let's give it to them. Let's say they're right. And it, let's say Microsoft is going to make it worse and worse over time. It's kind of like the idea that I, as an individual, could go up against the U.S. military, right? It's like my teeny tiny maybe handgun against their military jets and drones and forces, right? The Software Freedom Conservancy going up against GitHub adoption is going up against a natural tidal wave of user momentum, right? It's literally pissing into a tidal wave of user adoption. It is, unfortunately, a complete waste of resources. and. I don't mean to be nihilistic about it, but the reality is, is you know, we all only have so much time and energy and influence. Why not measure twice, cut once and exert your influence in areas where you can actually make a difference? And instead, they've kind of just doubled down on this. And they've in this last week, they've kind of just gone absurd with both the abandoned GitHub stuff and now with the Microsoft is attacking open source applications in the Windows Store. As if the Windows Store makes these developers any actual money to begin with. Right. I mean, it's just the whole thing is ludicrous.
1: I do feel, though, that they they have a little firmer footing when they talk about Copilot. Because there's some there's some fishy Like I'm still using it, but there's definitely been some cases where it's suggested things that I'm sure it just ripped off somebody's GitHub. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the variable names seem very like idiosyncratic or it's it's. I, you know but i'm not even sure cuz then are we just going to say that well any innovation on the you know development assistance is bad because it might violate licenses i don't know i feel like that's kind of a luddite perspective
0: the nuance there is the derived work right because these licenses these free software licenses have specific clauses about derived work and copilot is clearly producing derived work right it seems seems like that that connection is Real close. One line. So I, I think that's where the, I, perhaps that's where the issue is, but I could totally see them focusing on the co-pilot issues, focusing on like abandoning GitHub and attacking Microsoft over the Windows App Store that no one uses. It just feels, again, like the silly stuff that the Free Software Foundation was doing years ago. And now, what we haven't heard anything from them for years. And maybe people are just a little wired. Maybe they're a little worked up. Maybe they're a little fired up. Because it came out that Lenart Pottering, the creator of Pulse Audio and System D and several other things, has been hired by Microsoft. He quietly left Red Hat earlier this year on the DL and ended up at Microsoft. Uh, and we don't really know what he's doing, but it seems he's still working on System D. So there's that.
1: Microsoft's like, we will hire every open source maintainer that we can find.
0: I wanted to just put some perspective on this because. Uh, I don't know how I even it might have been might have been Alex on Twitter that uh, sent this in or I came across it accidentally. I found a clip of us. It must have been from Alex talking about Lenart in 2014 during all the system D debate stuff. And this is you and I in 2014. So you're going to have to I apologize how ridiculous it sounds. And I am reading a quote from Lenart Pottering in the show. And I just wanted to play this moment for you from 2014.
2: He says, I don't usually talk about this very much. And hence, I figure that people really are not aware of this. But yes, the open source community is full of assholes. And I probably, and I, probably more than others, am one of their most favorite targets. I get mail for hacking on open source. I get hate mail for it. People have started and stated multiple times petitions on different websites asking me to stop working on open source code. You can go Google for it. Recently, people started collecting bitcoins to hire for a hitman for me. Yes, this really happened. Just the other day, some idiot posted a song on YouTube, a creepy work, filled with expletives about me and suggestions of violence. People post messages and references to artwork in 4chan style. And there's more. A lot more. So uh, he talks about how essentially he gets a lot of hate for flipping bits on a hard drive. It seems a little out of perspective. Yeah, to put it mildly, I forgot
0: that he was getting death threats. Oof, that is rough. I think I had an interview with him in 2014 or 2015 as well. And I was I really respected his intelligence. I could tell by my interactions with him that he was an extremely bright individual. And I guess, you know, back then people were a little more radical in the Linux space. I can't, I can't really see that happening today. People raising funds to hire a hitman for somebody developing something in Linux. Certainly not in Bitcoin, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, these days, let's be honest, should be using Monero. Um, But I, I guess I don't really have any thoughts on him at Microsoft other than I have this creeping concern about centralization of free software talent, in particular around Microsoft, and I've been having this concern for a couple of years, and the concern is just getting stronger and stronger, and I don't think there's anything we can do about it, but I worry... That in a few years, we'll look back and realize that we kind of have been led into a path where Microsoft has become dominant in the free software community and the open source tool development. And maybe we're already there. And I don't know if you've even reflected on it. We just sort of naturally slid into it. I mean, what would the alternative be then? Well, if I were really to go deep, imagine a world where we haven't been living in an environment of money printing since 2008, right? So there hasn't been this massive growth in the tech industry and this ginormous consolidation. And because that money has poured into assets first and stocks in particular, big tech companies like Apple and Microsoft and Google and Amazon have really benefited immensely. And it have it has given them incredible economic power. And so they have just gone around and gobbled up every small little company for like for Apple, you know, like PI Semiconductor, that worked out really great, right? There's a few few acquisitions that have been solid for these companies. You got to wonder, though, man, like if the money printer hadn't been going burr and these tech companies hadn't just been absorbing from the spigot, maybe we'd have thousands of small little tech companies. And maybe we'd have a lot more dispersed and decentralized talent. Maybe we'd have a lot of small... You know, I I'm, I'm like medium sized 500 less tech companies that are building products that weren't just getting absorbed by Google, Apple, and Microsoft over the last decade and Amazon, of course, and Facebook, of course.
1: But then Sun would be alive and we'd all be happy.
0: <laughs> and
1: we can't be happy, Chris. We, we just, that's not in the cards. And also, the money printing it is, it's actually really prescient for you to make that the point because think about like, did you, did you i forgot who published it but there was this study on like how much money uber loses and it's just insane like a, effectively the federal the federal government was subsidizing drunk people getting rides back from the bar because those uber rides just just cost a lot more money right
0: they never got it to a point where it's making money
1: now they make i think they make money on the food part now i think that's actually an easier business for them i
0: bet man the fees there are ridiculous yeah.
1: well and they charge the restaurant too Right? Yeah. <laughs> they get, they get, they charge everybody. But it's, it's just crazy. Like all this capital was, can't even say, basically, it was just like somebody waved a wand, right? And just created it out of whole cloth. And it was allocated in some pretty crazy ways. Like, and you, and our bridges are still rusted and falling down.
0: Tailscale.com slash coder. Go there to get a free personal account for up to 20 devices and support the show. HailScale is a zero-config VPN. You'll get it installed on your device in minutes. It'll take care of firewall rules. It takes care of double-carrier-grade NAT. It just manages all of that elegantly. Devices connect directly to each other using WireGuard's noise protocol. It builds you a flat mesh network with the absolutely best VPN technology in the business. Your devices are connected directly to each other. They get static addresses. I love this. I have a bookmark folder, yes, bookmarks, in my browser where I just now have all the tail-scale IPs of all of the web dashboards and services that I use across my various devices. You can quickly and easily create a secure network between your servers, your computers, your cloud instances, your virtual machines. When you start thinking about the way you could bring different networks together, it's a game changer. It meant that I could have VMs here at the studio where I had a build environment or a test environment, and I could SSH into it from home. And keep working on it and get things going or keep things running. It's so great. Even when separated by firewalls or subnets, Tailscale just works. I've now started installing it on friends and family's computers too. One of the very first like aha moments I had was when I was setting up my son's laptop. And I realized I could put Tailscale on here and then I can help him when he's at school or when he's with his mom and I'm not there. It was just a real aha moment be able to kind of get access to that machine when I need to it's all just on my network like I've created my own flat network it's just my own private layer it's really great and you can get started in just minutes if you've got five devices it'll probably take you a minute a device and they all get set up and it's just beautifully beautifully connected and if you've got a, a business that uses like a single sign-on authority maybe you've got two-factor authentication as well tailscale supports that so you can take your security up to the next level with that as well They've got abilities to jump out onto a network too if you want to open that up or you can share a machine with one other person. My buddy Alex from Self Hosted and I, we have one machine that we have shared between us for self-hosted testing. His machine shows up on my TailScale network as just like one of my devices and he controls that access. So great. When you start working with this stuff, it'll start changing the way you work for the better and you can layer it on just as you need. You know, I started kind of just simple with TailScale and and now I've I've built new ways of working. And you can try it for free up to twenty devices. Go to tailscale.com/coder. Support the show, and get it for free for twenty devices at tailscale.com/coder. Well, you're gonna love this. It's already taken off in Asia, and now it's coming to the U.S. and parts of Europe. A third-party lock screen platform. Oh, come on. A lock screen platform which is already pre-installed on many Android devices, it just hasn't been activated in the EU, but it's coming to US as well. And what it is is it is a way for the OEM or the carrier depending on who installs it to monetize the lock screen and to show you ads with an app called Glance. And the company is negotiating with US carriers to lock in a few partnerships to become the quote out-of-the-box experience of several smartphone models by next month that's their goal
1: we have so much energy and ability to do horrible things to every surface that we ever see (laughs) yet we still can't scroll as good as ios that's it's just i why and by the way the carriers get to put them on or the oem Depends on who's, who, the, who gets the final image. Yeah, but the carriers, we can trust them. They've never done anything stupid to, to their devices, right? Yeah, should be fine. Should be good. I'm assuming these phones are going to be cheaper. That's got to be the...
0: I don't think so. No? No? I don't think really? so. Nope. Nope. You yeah, know, nope. the whole ad
1: model is just gross. Although you should all use tail scale. And uh, right. is it still Linode and Datadog? I, I don't remember. Uh, you know, the good <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, use Linode. Definitely check out
0: tail scale, but we're not putting it on your lock screen. So <laughs> I can't believe this. And how funny is it that this is rolling out right as one of the headline features of iOS 16 is fully like dynamic uh, information rich lock screens.
1: <laughs> Apple's like, how about we make your lock screen useful and nice? And it's like, we have an idea. Hang on. Do you suppose uh, the uh,
0: gals and lads over at Google are sitting there in their Android division going, oh, man, this is going to make us look like idiots. This is horrible. Uh, We should buy this glance company and put them out of business. Or do you you think they think this is a great thing? Um, And I, I really struggle with this because this is only possible because Google made it possible. This is... At the end of the day, Google's fault. And you know how I've always felt about that. You know I felt like they have screwed the pooch from the very beginning and that they made this, they made the Android platform completely malleable for these hostile actors so that way they could dump on the market and get rapid adoption. I've always felt that way. And I think they made critical decisions early on, like the choice to go with Java, <laughs> the choice to let carriers like Verizon completely customize it and call it Droid and completely screw with the brand and everything. They just completely bent over backwards to get adoption and i think here we are over a decade later dude in 2022 still dealing with the
1: consequences
0: of their short-term decision making that's how i see it
1: i don't think they mind i mean i I, because don't you feel like if they cared they could just do something about it yeah that's why i start to wonder it's like how could they
0: even allow this why haven't they closed this up Ages ago.
1: I mean, I don't even want to put this idea in Google's head because I know how they feel about advertising and the deep, passionate love they have for it. But why don't they just like build this into Android and put these guys out of business and just be like, yay, market consolidation, we win. That's got to be the way this goes, right? They have to be thinking this. Well, they already have the biggest ad digital ad business in the world. I mean, what are these glance guys doing that's special?
0: Well, they'll, they'll do specializations depending on what the uh, marketer wants to do. Like, maybe you want current events glances or sports glances with relative ads, right? Fitness. And so then you can, like, when the user uses a fitness app, you can prevent a fitness glance. And then with a little discreet ad at the bottom, just on the lock screen.
1: First of all, what relevant ads I think maybe once a year I get an ad that actually makes me like click it and buy something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My ads have gotten real low brow recently and I know it's cause like the, the rates have collapsed or whatever, but it's dumb. Like I, you know, I have, I've taken up cycling, right? I, I bought a bike and I didn't get one of those, uh, the water bottle things, you know, that you hang off the, you know, where you sure, can, yeah, bike. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like bought one. Right, I googled the kind that would be compatible with my bike. Ordered it, bought it, no problem. Now I'm tortured every time I look into Instagram or Facebook because apparently I need another one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know they're so dumb. Like they advertise to you after you've bought the thing. It's so dumb. It's so dumb.
1: It's like I already bought the bike. I already got the water thing. I got the pump for the tires. I'm good. Like now I have to. <laughs> now I have to wake up early enough to actually you know do it. But yeah, it's. I want less ads in my life. I, I, I again, all the other thing too is now this just makes iOS looks yet again so much more premium than than these kind of schlocky Android phones. So,
0: and I also wonder if iOS sixteen announcing this sort of content rich lock screen, which is a super obvious feature, so it's not even like it's that innovative, right? It's it's clearly an obvious feature, but perhaps it opened the door for something like Glances to. Their glance to come through and say, Well, look, you know, Google hasn't built this feature in, but you could ship it on your phones today and be
1: competitive with iOS 16. You know, it's not going to be as good. And you know, they're going to be tempted to put the ads in like the dumbest places where you'll accidentally click on them. Right. You could see the
0: stupid salesperson in the carrier store being like, iOS 16 hasn't even shipped yet. And this device already has this feature.
1: Well, also, having uh, known very well someone who used to sell these kind of phones. Uh, they bribe their sales reps, the OEMs, and Apple does not do that. So if you ever wonder why when you go to the Verizon store, like the kid who walks up to you is just all, all about that Samsung Galaxy, whatever, it's because he gets like 10 bucks per, per unit. It's, it's...
0: They get a little skiff.
2: Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast.
0: The Golden Dragon boosted him five days ago with a row of ducks. Two, 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 two.
1: I'm a duck. D-U-K duck. Loaded with talent.
0: (laughs) I love it. I I know. The row of ducks is great. Uh, Clippy for code is a great analogy, he writes. That does make more sense. Uh, Talking about our discussion around Copilot. I was less end of open source and more maybe this is just going to be cord code paranoia i don't know but anyways what is what has driven you to a web terminal versus something like alacrity my guess would be maybe it's program compatibility thanks for the show so he's asking you uh what drove you to such a fancy terminal and i guess i should have asked that question so thanks golden dragon
1: yeah so there's two things here one you gave me an opportunity to make fun of code pilots so we'll do that in one second uh, so yeah, my fancy terminal love. Uh, so on Mac, I like warp. I think warp is probably the best terminal I've ever used. I really wish they didn't make you log into GitHub to use it. Cause that just feels kind of icky. I also wish they would port it to Linux. It's a native rust application, native UI. It's super fast, super good. They have like their weird AI auto-completion. And because I can't spell, for instance, I think Postgres is spelled with a Q. Uh, it really helps me out. <laughs> so. On Linux, I'm using Tabby, which is a webby-ish terminal. Um, Why the fancy terminal? I really can't spell. I, I can't stress this enough. Like, writing SQL queries is a pain in the ass because I routinely spell the names of the columns wrong or the tables wrong. These nicer terminals generally help with that. Now, you mentioned Alacrity. I did look at Alacrity. If I almost picked it over Tabby, I just happened to feel like Tabby's uh, text rendering and it has some customization in there i i try as much as i can to make my workflow on the dev one and the imac basically the same for the simple reason of i just don't care right i'm just trying to get my work done muscle memory as much as you can optimize that yeah Yep. so it's it's pretty cool i mean there is a weird thing going on in the terminal space where it's just getting attention now like, it's funny, I was in Gnome Terminal, and yes, I, I said, Gnome, please, you don't have to email me again. Uh, it's not Gnome, I know, I've seen the error <laughs> of my ways. <laughs> Less me, Gnome, for I have sent. Anyway, and it just feels old compared to some of these newer options. Um, having said that, it's very, very sad that you have to install an entire instance of, instance of Google Chrome or Chromium to run a goddamn terminal. But, you, you know... We've we've begun to make peace with that, but yeah. so Code Pilot. Wow. I mean, every once in a while it gets something right. But it's got some interesting ideas. It's got some really adorable ideas (laughs) on how to do (laughs) things. It's like it's what I imagine my six year olds would do if I just like clunk them down and be like, All right, you're writing some TypeScript now, go. Right. Also, Objective C, if you really want to screw with it, it has no idea that Objective C ever existed. It seems to think it's C+ plus, and it just suggests the craziest non syntax compliant stuff <laughs> it's like I just decided just to like open an old, some old objective C code I had in vs code to see, and you, it has the little indicator on the bottom, and you can see the poor bastard spinning like, what is this? It doesn't know what to do uh Python, though it's down with the snake
0: all right, nice check in. Uh, I Bucky boost in four days ago with a double boost. 10,050 sats. My feeling is that as a developer, especially a junior developer, you should devote yourself to read documentation and understand what you're doing and writing more and not having it written by a bot and thus having to understand it less. If abused, this copilot thing could have an impact on software quality and security, at least until it becomes so good. It completely replaces us. Uh, he says, isn't it as bad as copy and pasting from some, from SO, um, what does he mean by S? not? Significant stack Overflow.
1: Stack Overflow.
0: Oh, Stack Overflow, of course. I always think Significant Other, but it's like that's, that stuff doesn't seem, Maybe, although maybe
1: a Significant Other is a developer. Well, if you're Significant Other is it, like Linus, then I would <laughs> yeah. copy and paste from them all day long. I mean,
0: But he's right, and we've made that point. It is, uh, in fact, I think he's quoting you, perhaps. Isn't it as bad as copy and pasting from Stack Overflow? He says it's almost as bad as that, but at least there you have to understand uh, that A, what you want to solve, and B, read an explanation of the solution, usually well-written, and C, you have to do the effort to adapt the solution to your specific code, laziness rarely brings excellence. Just my two sats. Thanks for the great show.
1: Well, but Codepilot, it's just funnier because it suggests stupid things all the time. So
0: It is funnier for sure, although I had not thought about the fact that to use Stack Overflow You got to understand what you're asking for. And you have to read the explanation usually, too. That's a great
1: point. And if you actually post on Stack Overflow, you have to have the testicular fortitude to know that you're going to get yelled at. (laughs) You better be prepared. No matter what you say, you're getting yelled at. So
0: We did not have a lot of boosts this week. So if uh, you'd like to get your boosts in, we'd love a a good batch for the next episode. You can go grab a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. I also have... uh, my fountain fm referral link because fountain fm is the app i've been using so if you want to try it out and then i think you'll be able to follow me and you can see the clips i make and stuff in there uh we did get some thank you boosts we got 3690 sats from kaspeland we got 1611 sats from itguy05 and 474 sats from kvok or KPVOC, as i often say just trying to boost into the next episode club he likes to do that which i think is great Thank you for those, and also thank you to our members, the Coder QA crew over at CoderQA.co. We're going to record a new Coderly this week, and I got something kind of special already put together for our members. Hmm. Looking forward to it. We're just gonna we're gonna wait till you're not dying. We want to? You know, we don't want to over we don't want to overdo it. So we got to let you heal. Oh my
1: god! Them? I just had a brilliant idea. Ads on the robes. What about them? We should do. You were saying we should be doing. Oh. We should put, like, patches. Right. So let's call Linode. Let's sell them, like, a little Linode logo on, on the other side of the robe. I, I I mean,
0: when you're talking about a robe, though, maybe that's an opportunity
1: for a liquor sponsor. Brought to you by JNR Cigars. And
0: we might need to modernize, you know, because we're a new media. Uh, we may need to do, like, cannabis and CBD, CBD oils and maybe, like, essential oils. <laughs>
1: you know? Are we a middle-aged single mom taking our little bath? Is that what's happening?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Microdosing. Yeah, but like, you know, because like the lower part of the robe, that's got to be like the cheaper ad space, right?
1: Well, the most expensive has to be right on your waist where you tie the robe. Right. We could call that the golden zone.
0: Oh, man. What about like the ends of the robe tie?
1: We could do it like a karate belt, right? Where you have like the stripes. Uh.
0: Well, clearly we should probably just uh, wrap up. And uh, hang up our headphones and get into the road business because I think uh, we got some serious runway there. Unless we get some members. You know, the members do keep us going. CoderQA.co. You've also got the ad free feed over there as well. But Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere we should send folks to find you this week or look at stuff or I don't know? I don't know.
1: Uh, not really. I mean, nah? I don't know. Maybe I'll mention Elon on Twitter to get yelled at again. That That's possible. That but. seems like a great idea. Oh, actually, I do have someone to send people. It has nothing to do with me or you or JB or TMB. Uh, The web telescope. Five o'clock today, we're seeing the first uh, picture, the preview. And then tomorrow morning, Eastern time, I think it's like 11 in the morning. NASA is releasing a bunch of the photos. But today, I I don't know if you saw this because today Biden's going to do like he's doing like a whole little press conference reveal of the first photo. Apparently, it's going to be very interesting. Ah. Very cool. Now pretty soon we'll start
0: our aliens radio.
1: The truth is out there.
0: I will mention that we have Jupiter tube, and you can catch the show live on jupiter.tube on Mondays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. I probably should mention that at the top of the show, because you can hit pause on your audio version and go watch the video version as such that it is. Maybe I shouldn't actually. The Drew version is so much better. Uh, but check out Jupiter.tube for all the live production archives over there. Links to what we talked about today, coder.show slash four seven four. That's also where you'll find our contact form. Your feedback's a big part of the show. That's why we open every episode with your feedback. So send that in, coder.show slash contact. You'll also find our RSS page over there so you can subscribe in your favorite player or you go get a new podcast app and you search in the directory and we'll show up in there. It's easy. It's super easy. All right. I think that's it. So thank you everybody for joining us on this week's episode of the Coder Radio program. You
1: know what, man? Why don't we just do it? I'll just go grab a Halls. You wanna just, do it? Yeah. We're Can gonna just, record a code right now. Right now. Let me just go grab a lozenge so I stop Woo! coughing. Yep. All right.
0: Well, here on the live stream over at Jupiter.Tube, the uh, show rolls on. But of course, for you on the downloads, which is like, you know, everyone.
1: <laughs> All of you, yes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just it'll be regular. We'll just uh, be regular. And also release. if
1: you're listening live, it's a code release, so drop trial. That's that's required. that's the standard practice. Yeah. Do yep. we do we do the code release live or do we not let them We've been doing it live. Let's do it live. Speaking it out there, do, like, you, you know, know what? A audience, you know how we like to show off. Bill O'Reilly is coming on too. It'll be great. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks so much. See you right back here next week.